Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, choir. It is so great to be with you all this morning. What a blessing it is to have this time together. And let me just go ahead and say, wow, if you missed the breakfast this morning put on by the Open Door class, you really, really missed out. I've been told that I need to preach a fire and brimstone sermon. I've been told to not preach on gluttony. I've even said I might fall asleep in my own sermon this morning. So y'all bear with Really, it was a fantastic breakfast. Thank you all to everybody who worked so hard to make that happen. Um, so today is a special day because we had that. Uh, how often does Open Door class? Is that every? Is that quarterly that the class does that? Fifth Sunday. Okay, thank you, Sue. It's the fifth Sunday. So you will know now not to miss out. That was at 9 o'clock this morning, but thank you all. So it's a special day because we had that time. It's a special day because we have the trunk or treat today. It's also a special day because we recognize new members. Uh, ben and Faye, if y'all will stand up right quick. Um, ben and Faye Brown, uh, let's, let's recognize them. Yeah. Thank you so much. Y'all can have a seat. But this morning, Ben and Faye met with the session. Um, although they've been worshiping with us for some time now, they made things official and, and joined the church, thus committing themselves to following the Lord's will for their lives. And I can't tell you, uh, Ben and Faye, how encouraged I am that, that you both joined, and, and I welcome you officially as members at Old Providence again. And I encourage you all to extend to them the right hand or or maybe the right elbow if you're not shaking hands of a fellowship this morning. Um, but really, what an encouragement you have both been to me, to us here at Old Providence. And I'm excited to see how the Lord's going to continue to use you to be a blessing and how we can be a blessing to you in the days to come. I will say that if anybody else is interested in joining Old Providence, see me after the service, see one of the elders, we'll talk, um, and we would love to have you. Now, again, other things are going on today. We have our trunk or treat from 4 to 6 p.m. Amanda, darling, do you have anything for me to announce? Probably not. She runs a tight ship, y'all. I'm just saying. She, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry? Yes, you should be here tonight from 4 to 6. What time do you want the people to get here who are using their trunks to set up? Yeah, 3.30 at the latest, but feel free to come whenever because we'll be here. The, the bouncy house is out there, so we're, we're looking forward to a great night tonight, and I don't think it's supposed to rain. Um, it should be a very nice night. Now, uh, other things are going on, but I'm going to leave you to find those in your bulletin. I do encourage you to take note of the things that are happening so that you can participate in the life of Old Providence because there's always a lot going on. Now... Uh, one more announcement I want to make, and, and that is to remark on the very sudden and heartbreaking passing of Kim Lunsford. My goodness, what, what a shock. Certainly, this did not fit into any of our timing, but the Lord is sovereign, and the Lord knows what he's doing, and now Kim is pain-free. Her suffering has ended, but even so, we grieve, and we mourn with Dabney, with John, with the rest of the family. Um, her service is going to be here at 11 a.m. on Tuesday. So I'll simply note that at this time. Now, again, other things are going on that I'll let you find. What a blessing it is that the Lord has given us one another. That we're not just individuals, but instead we are part of the family of God. And he's given us each other to come alongside one another, to bear with one another. 
to celebrate in times of joy and to mourn in times of sadness. Truly, what a glorious thing it is to be a child of God. Let's now focus. Let's now turn our attention to the time that is at hand because the Lord has called us here to worship him. Let's prepare our hearts as Donna leads us in the prayer. In Psalm 139, we read, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness, it's not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My friends, we have so many causes for worship. We have so many reasons to praise God. But at the core of all of them is this that is expressed by David. That the Lord knows us. That the Lord directs us. That the Lord is never far away. But instead, He is with us always. Providing, caring, saving us. And all because of his great love. Again, what a great God we serve. Let us now turn our hearts to him as we go into this time. And after, we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together and confess the Apostles' Creed. But let's go to him now. Our God and our Father, as we have read in your word already, your love is all-encompassing. Your provision knows no bounds. We can look at our lives and we can see evidence of this but by virtue of the fact that we are here right now. That you took us out of the normal day to day and you brought us here. Giving us the opportunity to move away from those things of normalcy and instead to focus on you. To worship you. Certainly, Father, this points to your provision. It points to your grace. It It points to your love, and we're so grateful that you love us so. As we enter into this time, we pray that you would help us. 
Help us to focus on who you are. Help us to understand the word that we will read, to sing from genuine hearts your praises. Help us even when we pray that all of these would be pleasing to you. Guide us now by your Holy Spirit in this time and give us grateful hearts. And we pray these things in Christ's name and we also pray as he taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we say the Apostles' Creed together, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. We have so many reasons, again, to be joyful, to be grateful. So now let's take our green Bible song book and stand as we sing together Bible song number 17, I Will Joy. Bible song number 17. Stand with me.
may be seated, but children, join me down front for the children. Let's see. Ooh. Give it a whirl, though. You got to scooch in like you love each other. There you go. Come on down, darling. There we go. All righty. Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? That is wonderful. I hope that everybody has had a great week with one another. Now, this morning, I want to tell you about something. Y'all know, last week we weren't together, were we? No, we had communion, right? So we didn't have our children's sermon last week. And then the week before that, I don't know if you had a children's sermon or not. Maybe Mr. James gave you one. Did he? Well, that's good. But I wasn't here. You know where I was? I was in Africa. Yeah, that's right, Africa. That's a lot to swallow, isn't it? And let me tell you guys something. I saw some amazing things in Africa. I saw all sorts of interesting animals, right? I saw lions, and I saw elephants, and I saw giraffes, and I saw warthogs, and leopards, and baboons, and all kinds of interesting things. But you want to know what the most amazing thing I saw was when I was in Africa? And I really mean this. I'm not kidding. I saw something absolutely amazing. In the book of Revelation, you know, the book of Revelation is the very last book of the Bible, right? And in the book of Revelation, God, through the Apostle John, gives us a glimpse of what heaven will be like. He shows us what heaven's going to be like. And in Revelation chapter 7, it talks about how when we get to heaven, we'll see that there are people in heaven from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation. In other words, there are going to be people in heaven from all over the world. And when we get there, it won't matter if we're from China or from America or Zimbabwe or Namibia. The country I was in was Namibia. It's very far south in Africa. When we get to heaven, none of that will matter. You know why? Because in Jesus, we're all the children of God. All those who trust in Jesus. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter matter what country you are. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or if you're a girl. What really matters is if you know Jesus. And the most amazing thing I saw on that trip, I was there to represent our denomination, our church, and there were people there, pastors, from 37 other denominations. And they were from places all over the world. There were pastors there from Indonesia, There were some there from India. There were some there from places like Romania and Hungary and Australia and Rwanda and Uganda and all these different countries. And they speak all these different languages. But you know what? Even though they were from all those different places, we all just belong to Jesus. We're all the same in God's eyes. And what was amazing to me is that some of these pastors that were from places like Uganda and Rwanda and some of them from places that are really dangerous like Angola they represent a group of people that love Jesus and every week they come together and worship Jesus even though it's very dangerous for them to do so there are people that want to stop them from worshiping and it was so amazing to see how much joy they had and how glad they were 
that they had Jesus. And it made me wonder, made me really think. It made me think about how much I enjoyed Jesus. And it made me wonder about for you all, do you enjoy Jesus? Do you love him? Do you trust in him and are you glad that he saved you? Because remember, that's why Jesus did what he did. He came to save you from your sins. Now, I want you all to think about these things, and I want you to think about something else, too. The reason it was so amazing, even more amazing than lions and elephants, you can go to a zoo and you can see a lion or an elephant. That's not that big of a deal. But being with all of those pastors from all of those different denominations, it reminded me also that not only is that what heaven's going to be like, it reminded me that God loves us so much that he lets us be part of his fulfilling his promise to build the church. And that's what Jesus said he was going to do. He said that he was going to save every single person that the Father gave him and that he was going to build his church and then when the church is built, that's when he's coming back. And then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. But the amazing thing also is that he lets us participate in that. He lets us help him build his church. We can help Jesus build his church by praying that all those that are going to believe in Jesus would turn to him and we can help build the church by telling other people about Jesus. Now, I needed that reminder on that trip. And by God's grace, he gave it to me. But I want to remind you guys to do that too. To pray that people will come to know Jesus and trust in him. And also to tell other people about the good news of Jesus. Okay? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for these children. I pray your blessings on them. Watch over them. Guide them. Protect them. Help them to see the opportunities they have with their faith to tell others about you. And Father, we pray that first prayer of the church. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I'm so thankful that you're building your church, but even so, we want you to come back and to make everything wrong, well, to make it right. But help us to be faithful while we wait, and please bless these children. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all can go. Now, as they are being dismissed, let's take this time to go to our Lord in silent prayer, and then I'll lead us in the pastoral prayer. Let's go to him now. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, what a blessing again it is to be your children. What a glorious thing it is to know the promises that you have made in your word are not empty like those of the world around us, but instead that you will always keep your word. As we dwell on the nature of this life that we lead, we face difficulty. We face an ever-changing landscape. In terms of politics, yes, culture, absolutely, economics even, and even in our own lives, we are always in a constant flux of change, and yet, you never change. You are always with us, 
guiding us, directing us, providing for us, calling us to yourself, and at the same time giving us opportunities after opportunities, opportunities to, to bless your name, to testify to your greatness. Sometimes it's just the simple opportunity in the midst of difficulty, as we face the unknown, you give us the opportunity to just trust you. And you show yourself to be good and true again and again and again. I pray, Father, that you would give us grateful hearts, but also a prompting. As we who know you dwell on your goodness that we can see throughout our lives, we are aware of the fact that we live in a world full of people that don't know up from down, that they don't know left from right. That as they survey the wickedness of the world, the horrors, or as they live life and face uncertainty, that they do so in blindness, hoping, but finding not the substance for hope, but instead the promises of the world that just lead to more disappointment not like that with us father we have you but give us that prompting to share you to testify to your greatness to tell others others that are so lost yet father we face challenges as we do this we know some of them are of the physical variety there are those that are not here this morning that desperately want to be but can't Maybe they're recovering from surgeries. Maybe they're waiting on them. Maybe they just have regular sickness. It doesn't matter, Father. They want to be here and they can't be. So would you please restore them to health quickly? Would you watch over them in this time of need? We think particularly of Dale. We thank you that you have preserved and protected him. But once again, he's in the hospital and they're trying to figure out what's going on and what to do. And it's a lot. Yet, Father, we know that you bring order out of disorder and knowledge into the places of ignorance, so we pray that they'd figure out what's going on and know how to treat them. We pray the same thing for others who are struggling. And yet, Father, this is not the only struggle we face. For those that are dealing with weariness, with sadness, for those that are mourning, we pray that you would bring comfort. We still think of the Ritchie family with the passing of Herman, and we ask that you would bless them with a sense of your presence and now, after just this week, knowing of Kim's passing, oh, Father, would you be with John and with Dabney and the rest of the family, give them comfort in this time that is not making much sense. For none of us knew when you would take Kim. But you did. And we trust you. We know that Kim suffered in so many ways with multiple health conditions, and now we know that that's over that she is in glory with you and all those that have gone on before. Even so, there is sorrow. There is mourning and a sense of loss. Yet in the midst of this, we praise you that we grieve, though not as the rest of the world grieves that has no hope. Instead, we grieve in light of the fact that this life is not all there is and that you are faithful to your word. Father, we pray not only for ourselves, we pray for your church universal. We pray for that same prompting to your church abroad, 
to testify to your greatness and to share your truth. And yet, for those that are in harm's way, we pray for protection. We pray that you would embolden them in their faith. For those that are in nations that Christianity is quickly fading from, we pray that you would bring revival, that spark of fire by your spirit, and a desire to see the name of Jesus Christ proclaimed. And as we think about the world, we thank you that you are active in it, that you are constantly at work through your mercy, through your grace, and again, that you are building your church. As it relates to Faye and Ben, we thank you that you have brought them to us. They are our new members, and we pray that you would protect them. For when we take positive steps, the evil one seeks to attack. So watch over them and guard them. And we thank you, Lord Father, for bringing them to us. We pray that you would increase our number and the number of your church again and again and again. All for your glory. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.
Hallelujah, indeed. You know, sometimes we make a grand mistake when we only view God in light of that magnificent, in light of the gigantic. Yes, indeed, He is the God of the universe. However, He's your Father. Yes, He knows the events of mankind that are transpiring. Yes, it's all true. But He knows you. He knows what you are facing. He knows what you need before you even recognize the need. And he provides again and again. So what a wonderful reminder that is, choir, that he is the God of both great and small. So thank you very much. Now, I am excited to be with you in week two of our study on the names of God, the Holy Spirit. And perhaps even more appropriately, week two of our question, where we're answering this question, who is the Holy Spirit? Now, as I said last week, there's a stigma attached to the Holy Spirit, and needlessly so. And yes, Holy Ghost, some have already said, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, same thing, right? Different name, same God, right? Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, just another name for Holy Spirit. But there's a stigma attached to the Holy Spirit that is quite problematic. As I indicated last week, whether it is in reaction to abuses regarding the Holy Spirit and the charismatic movement, right, that people are afraid of, or whether it's the result of immature Christianity, it doesn't matter which one it is. The fact is this, when we shy away from the Holy Spirit, we shy away from God himself. Why? Because you can't separate the Holy Spirit from God. Just like you can't separate God the Son from God, or God the Father from God. And as we saw last week in our text from Romans 8, verse 9 to be precise, we saw about the Holy Spirit, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. In other words, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have God. If the Holy Spirit does not dwell within you, you do not belong to God. And we talked about that last week, and also last week we talked about how we affirm the Trinity. We affirm that God is three persons in one. Equal substance, one God, but three separate persons. Therefore, we affirm that God, the Father, is God, but is not God the Son or God the Holy Spirit. We affirm that God the Son is God, but is not God the Father or God the Holy Spirit. And that God the Holy Spirit is God, but is not God the Father or God the Son. Is that clear as mud for you? Okay. Um, Y'all, the reality is this. We don't have to understand everything that we know to be true. In fact, we fool ourselves when we pretend like we do. I pointed this out, but in my previous church, I had a professional engineer on the session at my last church. He was, he was in electrical engineering, and he worked for a nuclear power plant in ways that he couldn't tell me and in ways that I wouldn't even understand if he did tell me, but nevertheless... He loved talking about the things that we pretend to know, but don't really. Now, understanding his field, electricity, he talked all the time about electricity. He said, we know what electricity does. We know how electricity does. But we don't really know why electricity does what it does. We have theories, but we really don't know. Yet you don't have to know why electricity does exactly what it does, what its origin is to flip a light switch and enjoy the light that comes out, 
to enjoy things like refrigeration and all those other benefits that we get from electricity. We don't have to understand it to know that electricity is necessary for our hearts to beat correctly, right? We take electricity by faith. And my friends, there are some things that we are required to do that with in God's word. Last week I talked about eternity. You remember a time where there's not going to be time? That doesn't even register with us. Our, our minds are not equipped to handle that sort of thing. And it's okay. Not everything in life has to have an ultimate explanation. There is room for wonder. There's room for magic. There, there, there's room for the unexplainable. Such is the case with the Trinity. That God is one. That God is three persons in one. Last week, I read to you that famous quote, The man who tries to un understand the Trinity will lose his mind. But the man who denies the Trinity will lose his soul. And that's true. And the reason that that is true is what we're going to talk about today. Why? Why is affirming the concept of the Trinity so important? Why, why is it so necessary to affirm that God is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Well, we're going to find the answer to this question and also, in part, the answer to the question, who is the Holy Spirit, in our text today. Now, last week, we were in Romans 8, as I've already said, where we saw that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. That the Holy Spirit is the means by which God gives us life and purpose. I wanted to start there last week so we would know, in part, who we're dealing with as we study the Holy Spirit but today we're going back to the beginning, to the very start. If we're going to understand who the Holy Spirit is, we've got to go back to the beginning of beginnings, to the book of Genesis, in fact. So go ahead and turn there with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. And today I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. Um, as it is from Psalm, uh, with Psalm 23 and Luke 2 and other passages, there is no law that says that Genesis 1 should be read from the King James Version, but there ought to be, all right? Now, don't worry, our passage is not a long one, all right? We're only going to be in Genesis 1 for a moment, but that's where we will begin. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1, but before we read anything, let's pray because we need help. Our God and our Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you would guide us in this time. Guide me in this time. Today we deal with some things that are complicated, some things that require our attention, some things that are not milk being spoon-fed to us, but instead we need a fork and knife to get through today. But we pray by your Holy Spirit that we would, so that we would understand you, and in understanding you, that we would appreciate you. And what you do in our lives. We won't do this without your Holy Spirit. We're not going to understand without you. So please, by your Holy Spirit, turn the lights on for us to see. Help us to understand the depths, the riches of who you are. And what you do by your Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So Genesis chapter 1, and I said it's not long. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. It says, in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And we'll stop right there. Yes, I mean it. We'll we'll stop right there. May God bless the reading of his holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Amen and amen. Now, I told you we would not be here very long. Let's get back to the question at hand. Who is the Holy Spirit? But I've also added in here, what is the Holy Spirit? Now, the answer to this at first is very straightforward, right? The Holy Spirit, according to what we just read, is the Spirit of God himself. It's right there in verse 2. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, it's at this point that you might be saying, well... That's obvious. We knew that to begin with. And that's great if you did. I hope that you did. But let me just tell you right now, that's not always the case. You know, for some, the Holy Spirit represents just a mode of God, a a manifestation of God. That's called modalism, and it's heresy, right? That's not Christianity. It's not what the Bible teaches, but some believe that. Some believe that the Holy Spirit isn't the third person of the Trinity, that the Holy Spirit isn't God, but instead just a manifestation of God, a way that God presents himself. And that's a major problem. It's a major problem because of the obvious, and that is that God's word speaks of the Holy Spirit as separate of God, having his own personhood, as it were. But it's problematic for even more reasons than that. You can't say you love the God of the scriptures. You can't say you follow the God of the Bible if you deny God the Holy Spirit. So again, we come back to the question, who, what, or what is the Holy Spirit, really when it comes down to it? Well, again, we just read it that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. The question is, what does that mean? Y'all, I have to offer a caution, a warning here. We're entering serious territory, and for good reason. To answer this question, what does it mean that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God? It means that we've got to do some real digging. You know, God's Word can be referred to as a gem mine, right? And as you plumb the depths of scriptures, there are jewels that you can find, understandings that you can gain through diligent study of God's word that that don't just lie on the surface. You know, if you're going to go look for a diamond, you got to do some digging, right? Such is the case with some of the beautiful truths of God's word. But that's going to require you to hang in there with me as we get through some complicated stuff today. But y'all, if you'll hang in there, What we'll see is beautiful beyond reckoning and wonderful beyond our understanding. So again, who, what is the Holy Spirit? There are many ways to answer this question. The fact is we could go through God's word and find 80 verses or so that could tell us all sorts of things about the Holy Spirit. And that would be of great benefit to us, but we would still be here tomorrow morning if that was the path that we took. Instead, what we're going to do is look at a couple of verses, but we're going to start by looking at our confession of faith, 
right? This is the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, and we follow the Westminster Confession of Faith. Um, on Wednesday nights, interestingly enough, I'm doing Wednesday nights now, 6.45 every Wednesday night. We're going through church history, right? And we're going to talk about the Westminster Confession of Faith and, and all the different things that, that make us who we are as the ARP church. But the Westminster Confession of Faith, we believe, is an expression of God's Word. It's not the Bible, but it shows us what we ought to believe about the Bible, right? And it uses the Bible in, in showing us these things. But in the Westminster Confession of Faith, the writers asked a question. They asked, what are God's properties? Now, realize this was written in 1643, right? So they use language a little bit differently than we use in 2022. But when you hear the term properties, don't complicate it. Really, what they're asking there is, what's God made of? And how does God work? Side note, have you ever paused to consider this? You know, one of the accusations that the author of Hebrews makes against the people that he's writing to is that they've only ever had spiritual milk, that they've never sat down to really contemplate, to really think about this God that they serve, to really dwell on who God is. Sinclair Ferguson, who is an ARP pastor, he's, he's extremely well-known, multiple author, he, he, he talks about this in one of his series, and he says, if you were to take the average Christian and sit them down in a room and say, just think for five minutes about God. Just spend five minutes thinking about Jesus. He contends that the average person couldn't do it. You know why? Because they don't know five minutes worth of God. They don't know five minutes worth of Jesus. We're called to something better the series. Knowing God is the most important thing, but nevertheless and they ask this particularly in the larger catechism. A, a catechism is an educational device, right? It asks questions and then in other words, what, what, what makes up the three persons of the Godhead? Or the Trinity, right? And this is how they answer. They say this. What makes up God? Who is God? How does God work? They said it's proper to the Father to beget the Son. And to the Son to be begotten of the Father. And to the Holy Ghost to proceed from the Father and the Son from all eternity. Okie dokie. Yeah, I guess we can uh, just go to lunch now because we're done, right? No, th this is complicated. Let's just be honest about it. This is confusing language. This is why I warned you to hang in there with me, all right? Let me translate and explain. Their definition to the question, what is God? How does God work? They answer this by pointing to how the Trinity works. Now, we're going to skip over the Father and, our, and the Son because our topic is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit this morning. But what they say is that the way that God works is that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son from all eternity. And it's in that procession that we start getting somewhere. 
So when they say that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and Son, what are they getting at here? Now, they use two references to justify why they say this is how God works. The first is John 15, 26, which says, But when the Comforter has come, referring to the Holy Spirit, this is Jesus speaking, When the Comforter has come, whom I send unto you from the Father... Even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify for me. So right there you see that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. He's sent by the Son, he proceeds out of the Father. And then they quote Galatians 4, 6. And it says, and because ye are his sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So what you see in the first is that Jesus sends the Spirit out of God. What you see in the second is that God sends the Spirit out of Jesus. Now, both of these point to the same thing. And it's that business of the Holy Spirit flowing forth from the Father and the Son. But what does that mean? Well, if you read this in light of the two verses we just read, we find out that the Holy Spirit, in proceeding from the Father and Son, who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit accomplishes the will of the Father and the Son. This is why Genesis 1, verse 2, calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit flows out of the Father and flows out of the Son to do the will, to accomplish the will of both. Do you see? Do you understand? God the Holy Spirit accomplishes the will of God the Father and God the Son. That's why he's called the Spirit of God. If you don't, or if you're asking maybe this question, so what? Allow me to answer. Maybe you are asking, so what? I mean, really, so what? Preacher, you've read from Genesis, from John, from Galatians. We know that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Why make such a big deal out of this and waste a whole sermon on this one point? The answer is simple, and it flows out of my heart and out of my observations after being in the ministry for 20 years. You know, I'm 41 years old. I've been in the ministry for... observe that we got a problem and it's a big one you're asking why does this matter that the holy spirit is the spirit of god we understand what's the big deal our problem isn't unique to just old providence no instead it's a problem that is prevalent in most churches in the united states today and that problem is that when it comes to the holy spirit we often don't know who we're dealing with we don't grasp the gravity we don't get just how important it is that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. We don't understand. We don't see how important it is that the Holy Spirit accomplishes the will of God. I say that, I, I cited a study last week where professing Christians were asked about the Holy Spirit. And you know, the number one thing they said about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit exists to bring comfort in times of sorrow. And that's it, y'all. They were asked, what does the Holy Spirit do? That's the number one, and so much so number one, that it's pretty much the only answer that was given, that the Holy Spirit exists to bring us comfort. Now, please understand me. 
The Holy Spirit is the means by which God comforts his people. I'm not denying that. There's a reason why he's called the comforter. So please don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that answer is wrong, but my goodness, did you hear the biblical definition of who the Holy Spirit is? That the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. That the Holy Spirit accomplishes the will of God the Father and God the Son. That has implications for you and me. And it means so much more than just us having comfort in times of sorrow. We must not limit the Holy Spirit. Our biggest problem is that we do. Now, please, don't worry. All right, I'm not becoming what some would call a charismatic or anything like that. That's not what this is about. This is about recognizing who the Holy Spirit really is and how much we need him. Think about the implications of God, the Holy Spirit, proceeding from carrying out the will of God, the Father and God, the Son. That means that everything, From creation in Genesis 1 to you being made a new creation in Christ Jesus. All of it's accomplished by the Holy Spirit. And allow me to get even more personal. Here's a reason that I read from Psalm 139 in this morning's call to worship. In verse 7, we hear David in confessing his love for God and his own knowledge of God's intimate involvement in his own life. David asks a rhetorical question. He asks... Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. He's asking this rhetorical question. My friends, the reason it's so important that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God is because the Holy Spirit is God in your life. When David asks, where can I go from your spirit? The answer, of course, is nowhere. In this simple rhetorical question, David defines who the Holy Spirit of God really is. And he shows us why these things are so important. As you read or as you read, this is why all this matters. This is why I'm spending a whole sermon on this. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God's presence in your life. This is why we cannot, we must not limit the Holy Spirit. Look at it in these ways. What do you need? Do you need peace? In the midst of this troubled world, do you need peace? The Holy Spirit is the only one who can bring it because the Holy Spirit accomplishes the will of God the Father and God the Son. Do you need comfort? The Holy Spirit is the only source of comfort we have. Do you need guidance? The Holy Spirit is God's presence in your life to illuminate the way mercy the holy spirit is the one that god uses to draw you back but forget about you do you know somebody who needs jesus do you know somebody who is lost and upside down of course you do we all do look at the world around you the answer to all of these and more is the holy spirit because the holy spirit accomplishes the will of god that's why we can't just know the holy spirit is the spirit of god That's why we must rely on the Holy Spirit, remembering that he proceeds from God, the Father and the Son to do the will of God. And if you want to do the will of God, you must be in the Holy Spirit. We must turn to the Spirit in times of ease 
and in times of trouble. We must wait on the Spirit to show us the way forward. Y'all, when the evil one attacks, we must put on the full armor of God and the Spirit. When we evaluate ourselves, what should we look for? You guessed it. The fruit of the Spirit. My friends, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of life in you. This is why the implication is so much more than, yeah, I know he's the Spirit of God. So what? This is the so what. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? And have you received the Spirit? If not, don't wait. Because all of these things that I've said, I've asked you, what do you need? We all need these things. This is the nature of life. We face disappointment. We have hurt. We have heartaches. We face the unexpected. Things that happen that you never knew were coming. We face all of these. It will only be the Holy Spirit that will help you see up from down. It will only be the Holy Spirit who can bring peace in the midst of chaos. It is only the Holy Spirit that can change the unchangeable because it is always through the Holy Spirit that God works. Have you received the Spirit? Are you relying on God to guide you by His Spirit? Or are you just trying to make your way through? Confession time. I fear that in my own case, there's a lot of times where I'm just trying to make it through. I want to do things my way. And if you're wondering about yourself, you ever found yourself saying something like, well, I guess all I can do now is pray. In other words, I've tried everything of my own accord to handle this situation. And I'm at a loss, so I guess now only God can deal with it. Why don't we start the other way around? I'll tell you why. That comes from not relying on the Spirit. That's why. A life that turns its back on God and tries everything on earth except God is a life that is not being guided by the Spirit. That's why this matters. So if you haven't turned to Jesus Christ, the only means by which we have the Spirit, turn to Him today. If you want to talk to me, come outside and, and we'll talk. But if you've already done that, don't shy away. Examine your prayer life. Examine your life of devotion. Are you turning to the Lord again and again? When trouble comes, how do you respond? When you don't know what to do, who do you turn to? If you have Jesus Christ, trust in His Spirit, that Spirit of life. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for this time that You've given to us, and we praise You that You work again and again and again in our lives. Not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are. For often we do things our own way. Thank you for intervening. Thank you for working in us. And if there are any here that do not know you, that have not experienced this peace, please draw them to yourself now by your Holy Spirit so that they would trust in Jesus Christ alone. And I pray these things in his name. Amen. Let's now close this time by standing and singing hymn number 244. Pay attention to the words that we sing together. Number 244, please stand with me as we close.
Receive now the benediction. May the grace and the peace and the mercy and the fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be upon you both now and forevermore. Amen.